Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is Drew with a special episode of my other podcast that I co-host regularly. And uh, it's Weekly Comic Spotlight over at John Mayo's comic book page. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, I wanted to give you a chance to listen to it. It's a standard review show of uh, a Marvel, a DC, and an independent comic. Uh, each week. So uh, check this out. And if you like it, go over there and subscribe or check out uh, those those episodes. They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Um, here you go. This is Weekly Comics Spotlight 529 for comics originally released on September 27, 2017. Now starting us off in DC is Blue Beetle number 13. Uh, have you been reading this series? No, sir. Did you read Justice League 3001? No, sir. Okay, this is going to be a very interesting one. I'll be honest, I was uh, expecting, when I had seen the solicitation for this, this to be the start of a multi-part story in which Blue Beetle goes to the future of, of you know, Justice League 3001, which is one of the previous titles that Giffen and DeMatteis had worked on together. Um, and we'd get, you know, like a trade paperback length sort of a story there. And it's not really unheard of for Creative Team to use their current title to kind of continue a storyline from a previous series they worked on and felt had either gotten cut short or they just had more to say or do with the characters. And, you know, again, in this case, they continued aspects of the uh, the Justice League 3001 series, at least as best I can recall it, because it's been a little while. Uh, at least a year or more, because it was prior to um, to Rebirth, I believe. And honestly, this was a much shorter trip to the future than I expected it to be. This is pretty much a done-in-one issue. And, you know, it worked okay as a done-in-one-ish sort of a story, but kind of only okay, because they had to set up the, hey, we're going to the future, get to the future, do stuff, and come back, all in the span of, what, the, the 20 pages or so they got here. And it really felt a little rushed. And I kind of understood that a bit more when I got to the end and realized that the next issue is going to have a new creative team. So this was kind of the the last chance uh, Giffen and, and DeMatteis had um, to kind of squeeze this storyline in. And they'd been setting it up for a little bit with the future Flash uh, in the title here. So was Justice League 3001 a series I felt they needed to do more with? No, not really. Did I care for this story kind of having a, a quote-unquote Legion of Doom, but happening to use many of the character names from the Legion of Superheroes, which is also set roughly in a future at this time point, whether it's this future or not, it was never clear. This had some stuff I liked, it had some stuff that kind of frustrated me a little, and it was one of those things before I knew it, it was pretty much done. And I don't know what sort of bold new direction they may or may not be going in next issue, or off the top of my head, who the creative team's going to be, but... Again, I was expecting this to be the the start of a larger story, not a uh, almost a uh, interlude, intermission, side story, epilogue, whatever you want to call it. Now, since you're not familiar with Justice League 3001 and haven't been reading this, I can only imagine how much you may have loved this issue. Yeah, I had a little trouble um, figuring out who everybody was, what they were doing, um, who who was who I was supposed to care about, and um, what was happening. <laughs> but besides that, I had a great time. Um, I, I mean, say, I know, what's left at that point? <laughs> well, I mean, I know, I know Blue Beetle. I mean, I think I read the Rebirth issue and maybe the first issue. So, uh, 
I, I read a little bit of that stuff, um, I think. Um, maybe get those confused. I think, yeah, yeah, that was a part of the launch, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, matter of fact, was, we, I think, reviewed the, uh, yeah. Blue Beetle Rebirth issue. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it didn't really take hold and, and make my pull list. Um, but it kind of, you know, I, I read that and, um, so I knew him, but I don't really understand this whole three year 3000 stuff. Uh, I don't really follow it in any of its incarnations. So I, you know, I don't know really what the rules are and uh, that doesn't help uh, with this because although they tried to do some exposition throughout and kind of um, spoon feed you some information, I, I didn't, it didn't really work. It didn't really flesh anything out for me in, in such a way as to get me engaged in the story. So un- unfortunately I, I was, really on the outside looking in for most of this um, and just gleaning what I could. And, and it, it really didn't work for me. I can understand it because this, even if you'd been following this Blue Beetle series, this issue was really kind of shanghaied to go kind of finish off some business from a previous title. And while they'd kind of set that up and, and whatnot with the uh, the future Flash in this title, uh, people are reading this because they want Blue Beetle. Now, if he was kind of front and center and the star of this story, it would have been a bit more okay, but he was kind of pushed a little to the supporting cast almost, or at least sidekick status, and it was really this future Flash's story. So I can see where a lot of people may be a little frustrated by this, and then to have it kind of not really amount to a whole lot other than a hey, this property's still out there. Maybe we'll get to them again at some point. And then, oh, by the way, we're switching creative teams next issue, so don't look for much more of it here, necessarily. I really don't know what they expected uh, readers to make of this. Yeah, kind of, I guess, maybe, I mean, I guess that's what Giffen wanted to do on on his way out. I mean, but knowing it was the last issue, maybe it could have been more of a celebration of, of something. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's what this was. It didn't really kind of read that way to me. Um it seemed like he was trying to tie up. There were some loose ends that were trying to be t- tied up, but I didn't feel any kind of sense of uh, completion at the end of this issue. Um, I'm kind of wondering how much warning they had that they were going to be replaced as the, on you know on this title with another creative team. Those two guys, I would think, would have plenty of uh, plenty. I, I would hope they're you know pretty well established. I mean, certainly uh, Keith Giffen has been working with DC for long time but it just seems a lot well even damon Teus too i mean these guys did the uh the ball haha justice league many many moons ago yes it just felt like if they had had more warning more time more space this would have been a longer more fleshed out story i mean do you agree disagree i don't know i mean i i don't know how much editorial drives some of these lower tier titles um these this is in the the bottom third sellers of, of DC's stable. So, I mean, I don't know at that point if creators kind of lose some of the driving force and editorial says you're going to do this, this and this. And, um, and that that's the mandate. I, I don't know how that works. So it, it seems like we've heard rumblings off and on about that sort of, um, strong armed, uh, editorial tactics. So it, is, is that, is that, they were just hired to tell the story that needed to be told to fill in this space, or they actually told what they wanted to do, told the story they wanted to tell. Um, I don't, I don't know that. Uh, I would, yeah, I would think if they had a six month lead time, knew that they had this one punctuation mark, that it would have been a better send off. Definitely. It almost feels, and again, I don't know what their intent was either, or how much was editorial control versus the creative team, 
but it almost feels like since they had been setting up the the Flash character here, that they felt obligated to at least do an abbreviated form of the story in their final issue versus it all be for naught in that respect. It just, the pacing on the overall series, or their run of the series, because it is continuing, just feels a little off. Does the new creative team, uh, do, you re- do you know who that is off the top of your head? No, I do something not. You, something you have to look up. I'd have to look up, yeah. And I'm too lazy to do it, so. Yeah, I'm just. if it was at the top of your mind, I was going to ask, but if not, no biggie. At some point, I will uh, I'll get my system organized enough that it'll toss that into uh, my show notes, or my, my talking point notes, actually, of just what's the next issue's uh, solicitation and credits going to be. Because um, I had thought I had read credits that uh, they would be spending a bit more time in the future, but maybe I had just read this solicit recently and got confused and thought it was applying to another issue as well. Or maybe they're going to do more with it with a new creative team. I don't know, but it seems kind of weird if they go that route to take stuff that is, uh, you know, one creative team's baby and kind of tease it here, do a quick bit, and then give it to somebody else to keep going with. But I, I don't know what the game plan is. Does DC ever do the primer pages, you know, the little recaps, uh, what you missed, you need to know to read the story that's coming next, like Marvel does? No, generally not. Generally not. They just kind of hit the ground running and don't even really give you a credits page right away. Sometimes the credit page is at the beginning, sometimes a couple of pages in, sometimes it's the tail end. Uh, so that can vary quite a bit. Um, but really, DC tends to shy away from that previously on and I kind of agree with that because I think that page is almost a little bit of a writing crutch where it facilitates writing for the trade. And I know Dan Didio is very big on the Wednesday Warrior and, and keeping the, the people coming into the comic shops for these issues every week. True. And that kind of runs against it. True, but this is a this is a bottom feeder sales wise. And so I would I would think your tactics would change a little bit in a title with dwindling sales on the chance that I don't know. Somebody would read this title, pick it up, and and want to be engaged. And uh, if if obviously you're not going to be able to squeeze that enough into those 20 pages to do it, having missed 12, 10 to 12 previous issues, um, maybe maybe that's a way to go with some of these. But I, I get it. I get I get what they're going for. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but we've read other things that are amazingly accessible well into the story. True. Um, yeah, I'm trying to prop this up as best I can. <laughs> no, and it's it's not bad. It's just not great. Yeah. It passes, you know, the muster for me on, on what is, you know, that, that benchmark, it's acceptable and, and average kind of a thing. And it gets a hair above it in places, but not, wow, this is really good. Not something making me think somebody, if you're waiting for a jumping on point on Blue Beetle, this is it. It's certainly not, you know... uh that that A plus kind of a rating by any stretch of the imagination, but it's also competently done. It's it's got a solid story. It just has a lot of characters, and it's it's reintroducing a lot of things that this readership may not be familiar with. And while I thought they were accessible, giving character names and a, a fair amount of exposition, it was a fair amount of exposition. I just a bit, cl- a bit clunky the exposition. Well, given that you've got two teams you're introducing for the span of you know an issue plus the the threat kind of between them or whatever, you couldn't get around clunky exposition with the amount of of ground they wanted to cover. True. I think I would rather have clunky exposition than no exposition. Yeah. When when there is new stuff being introduced from a storyline 
eons ago that I, I may or may not have read. It kind of remem- reminds me of an era of Captain America when Mark Rumwald was was writing it, and it was one of those where they were pretty much done in one issues, and he would just uh, Cap would encounter you know Jack Frost or some other reasonably obscure character, and it's like Mark Rumwald was just taking them out of the closet, dusting them off, using them for a story, putting them back in good shape or whatever, and it was kind of a hey, remember this character sort of a thing. The difference is. It would typically be done over in Captain America, and this was back in the 80s-ish, with, like, a character. Not, let's take, you know, an entire team of a book from a few years ago, get back into the status quo they were literally in the middle of when that book kind of, you know, unceremoniously ended. Reset up all that, you know, get all that, get all the characterization stuff. As you've got a time travel story kind of wrapped around it almost as a framing sequence, there was just too much they tried to do in a single issue. And it's not bad, it just feels a little rushed, and if if you don't have the context, unfortunately I did, it just I didn't have it kind of off the top of my head. It took me a little bit to, to remember where things were at with uh, the Justice League 2001. I think they could have done better. I'm going to go with a C-plus on this. If you have missed the Justice League 3000 stuff, uh, grab this issue, you can at least get another, you know, most of an issue's worth of a story out of it for them. Uh, just, I don't know if they're ever going to pick up on that and go forward with it, or if I really want them to. Yeah, um, if this had been uh, an, an early issue, uh, a beginning of a story arc, you know, pitched as a, a jumping on point for new readers, I'd have been much harsher on it. Um, uh, be, I, I got, I'm get, cutting it a little bit of slack because, you know, we're 13 issues in and I haven't been on board. Uh, so, you know, it, it probably would have been in the D's, but I'm going to, I'm going to cut a little bit of slack and give it a C minus. Uh, it didn't work for me. I didn't enjoy it. Um, uh, but someone with more knowledge of this character's current volume and the Justice League 3000 stuff might, uh, um, get a lot more out of it, but nobody has more of that than you and you didn't get that much more out of it. So maybe I'm wrong there. For me, it was just a little too much time elapsed and. I almost would have given it a little bit more uh, of a pass if it was the start of an arc, because then there's the promise of a bit more payoff to all of this. It just seemed like all set up, and and then it's like, yep, we're done. We're not going to build up to anything. I just, I, I don't understand the ration. I don't understand what led to this issue happening this way, because I think this creative team was game for doing more. I just, I don't know what happened. Shall we move on to our Marvel book? Yes. All right. This is the uh, the the reasonably obscure small little startup title they've got of, of Marvel Legacy Number One. It goes for all of uh, a one issue run here, not counting the uh, the fold out cover that goes for about eighteen miles or some such. Going into this, I'm going to say flat out my thoughts were a little clouded based on my experience with the Generations one shots. Have you read any, all, some of those? Uh, I read most of them. And then when this came out, I just, I thought, well, why bother? Why why am I still reading these? Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, did you have the same experience I had with the generation stuff? Where at first, yes. Well, let me explain the experience first. <laughs> we had this conversation. Okay, we had. Maybe, maybe the listeners. The listeners that. weren't listening at that point. We yeah, were, yeah. Anyways, at first, I wasn't sure what to make of them until I read the conclusion of Secret Empire, which kind of explained the whole time hopping and it it fell out of the the finale there. Yeah. And then I was trying to figure out, well, what's the point of the time hopping? Who's getting what nugget of insight, and how is that going to propel this character forward? 
up until I read the Generations with the Captain Americas issue, which I thought was probably by far the best. But I was really annoyed by the end of it, where it basically said, yeah, this, this stuff never happened. It doesn't amount to anything other than what these particular people, you know, take from it. And again, it's, it's, it's a bunch of, what were those? 499, uh, one shots, yeah. uh, yeah. 10 of them or something that in continuity, they flat out say, yeah, it didn't happen. It's like, what's the point? So there's a certain amount of, you know, fool me once, fool me twice sort of a thing and, uh, a little annoyance with that. I would have been happier had they been annuals and at the beginning of each annual they would have had that little panel blip where everybody zapped out to their respective future futures and pasts and um and then told the story and it was you know uh, explained that way because it it was so confusing uh, as to are we are we building are we actually building something in these how is this going to lead into legacy and um i never did figure that out but i like i said it doesn't once Legacy came out, I stopped and said, forget it. I'm done with the Generations. Um, I was really kind of displeased that the Captain America one in particular didn't happen. I thought that would have been a really fascinating sort of a thing to do with uh, with Sam Wilson um, in a lot of story potential there. And they just said, yeah, eh, forget it. So when I got to this and it opened one million years ago, and I, I knew it was going to be that. But I'm like, a million years ago? That's a really long time. And you expect us to believe that Earth is in the Stone Age and we're essentially building up a, an Avengers BC or whatever with, with Odin, uh, a Phoenix, an Iron Fist long before we're ever going to get uh, a Kunlun or whatever. I can't imagine that city being around for a million years. We get a Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Amagato, whose, whose eye, you know, uh, uh, Strange has later a Starbrand. Okay, fine. That can be a million years back. A Ghost Rider. Okay. Okay, that seems a little odd. And a Black Panther, because again, Wakanda, a million year history. Sure, I don't think so. So that it started by stretching credibility. Um, and again, do we need yet another Avenger team that just happens to have, I'm not going to say the Hallmark Avengers, because I really don't consider, I don't know, Iron Fist or Ghost Rider, um, you know, classic Avengers in any way, shape or form. But to me, that was just a framing sequence to provide something as a subplot to make this issue pretend to have a story in it. Which I was glad it was only a few pages, and I, I was afraid it was that's what all of Legacy was going to be. And so I was glad it, it stopped. Fair enough. Uh, I'll, I'll go with that. I just thought that a lot of the other stuff that they kind of interspersed here was simply teasers for other upcoming titles, and that this was almost a standard Marvel sales pitch comic of, you know, here's a couple of pages that'll get you into the new Captain America series, or the new Thor series, or the new this series, or the new that series. Um, combine it with some shifting art styles that shifted pretty drastically in a few places. I was a little frustrated, not annoyed, up until I read the the one that leads into the new Iron Man series, where the way uh, Mary Jane learns of, of Tony Stark's disappearance, very different than what we had just gotten a week or two back in uh, Invincible Iron Man number 11 or something. I yeah. Mean, both couldn't have happened. And it's like, come on, is it really hard to get a one-page part of, of, of Legacy to tie in with uh, with what's going on in one of the other books? Um, and then the, 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 the pointless fight scene between you know, Starbrand and Ghost Rider. And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, 
I, I don't think it should have been able to go on that long and whatnot. We get again, like I said, teaser after teaser after teaser, and it's like there's almost enough of a story to hang together, but not quite. And then kind of the 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 big reveal or whatever is one of those things that in my mind it happened clearly in the issue, but it did not happen as part of the story, in my opinion. It just happened to coincide and fall between the, the pages of the cover. And by what I mean is the, again, the fight between Starbrand and, and uh, Ghost Rider and stuff. That was motivated by stuff earlier in the story. The story led to that. But when we get this this reveal, this this major Marvel character, he's suddenly back, sans really any explanation or whatever, until we get a few pages later and, and get a, oh yeah, he's back, kind of clarification. As if we were somehow missing that. It just happened, you know? It, it didn't feel organic or integral to this story. Um, I felt that way in the past when they had killed off uh, Steve Rogers at the end of the original Civil War. Sure, it took place in those the, the pages of that title, but it's not like the whole thing had led up to that or even motivated that death or something. And here, the character just, boom, he's back. I just, I get frustrated by that. Um, and then particularly when uh, when they clarify it, I mean, we'll go ahead and, and I'm assuming everybody's read it. We're going to get spoiler heavy on this. Uh, it's it's Wolverine. It uh, is the world's worst worst kept secret. You know, it, it was all over the place. I usually duck those sort of spoilers, but um, I couldn't on, in this case. That one that one was spoiled for me. Um, we but we we had been talking about this forever. We we know they're coming back with Wolverine sooner or later. Um, and we just at least I assumed it would happen six months a year ago. And so it was long, long overdue. And so when they finally pulled the trigger, it just it was like, yeah, okay, finally. Thank you. But now was, can we move move on? It was poorly done. We get him back. Okay, we haven't seen him full on. Maybe it's old man Logan. Maybe it's it's somebody else. But we see the claws. It's like, yeah, we know it's going to be Logan. Um, and then we, we cut to a page of uh, the young Jean Grey going to where the, the adamantium casing is. And it's like split in half, and somehow he magically got out of it, which I'm not entirely sure how. One, this is unbreakable stuff. Two, it's clearly broken. Uh, and three, he's been completely healed or whatever. And all of these are the sorts of things we were flat out told in the death of Wolverine couldn't happen, wouldn't happen, etc. Um, again, I'm happy to have the character back. I think he's an awesome character and uh, has been missed. But I thought the the explanation here was non-existent the aspect of it being integral to the story not at all um and him getting what i guess is an infinity stone or an infinity gem or whatever sure why not let's go back to the basics let's go retell the infinity gauntlet sort of a story or whatever i don't know i was not impressed by that and if it's a new stone or gem or whatever what is it the infinity gem of um the part i probably liked the best was the final two pages which was yet another teaser. Uh, but again, that's about all you're going to get in some of these one-shots from Marvel. Um, but it's teasing that eventually, someday, probably, I don't know, a year or two or three from now, uh, at least Franklin and Valeria Richards uh, may come back to the Marvel Universe, presumably bringing their parents, Reed and Sue. Um, but, I mean, don't hold your breath. This is not going to be anytime soon, probably. I don't know. The, I mean, putting the little Fantastic Four logo in the corner kind of stamped it that they're back and your long wait is over and Fantastic Four is, is coming back. Yeah, but we know it's not. 
we're getting a Marvel 2-in-1 with, with Ben and Johnny for a duration. And it's basically saying, you know, I'll see you when I get there. In other words, they're not here yet. Well, we don't have a, a date on a, a Wolverine title either. I mean, but he's obviously back. Fair enough. Fair point. So I, I mean, I, I think they're both these titles are coming back. And the, the, the Fantastic Four reveal is the one that I had completely put out of my mind. And I had completely forgotten about them because of the whole as Isaac Perlmutter or whatever his name is, the stockholder that you yeah. know, hates the Fantastic Four and killed them and had them removed. Uh, I just assumed that was that he was that was never going to come back, and they were going to let that one on the, leave that on the shelf for a long time. So to me, this was this was a bigger, a much bigger surprise than Wolverine. But to your point, I guess I don't really know what this means. I guess I don't really know this doesn't mean. There's an FF1 in the next round of solicitations. So, um, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a real, this whole thing felt like DC rebirth, um, a try, a, a, an attempt yeah. at DC rebirth. Um, it's, it's hard it not to make that comparison. What it didn't have that DC rebirth had was, uh, kind of a, an emotional connection, a heart to it that, you know, really got me excited and a, and a a story that all it also had a lot of vignettes and a lot of launching points for things, but it, it all felt like it was woven together a little more cohesively and, and, and tighter. Um, but it just felt, it, it still had that feel to me. Like let's, let's get the fans excited about what we are as Marvel and we're writing the ship and, Hopefully this leads to lapsed Marvel readers coming back. And, and it, it felt like that's what this this was an attempt to do. Um, I don't know if it was entirely as successful as the re- Rebirth number one was, but it had a lot of stuff in there to for people to latch on to. Um, but then it also had some some stuff that, yeah, uh, I wasn't excited about uh, BC Avengers. I guess for me, the the comparison to Rebirth is is just clear cut it's very obvious and this doesn't hold up well in that comparison because with rebirth we had a very clear storyline with the flash and what's going on with, with the character and such that had not only that emotional resonance you mentioned but they they bring a character back into the the the, the forefront of the DC universe after a long absence as an integral key part of that's what that whole story that whole issue was building towards and it was getting us excited and using it as a let's go bounce around the universe and, and see some other characters or whatever. But there was a motivating force behind that. Whereas here, we just kind of, you know, bounce around aimlessly. And I didn't feel there was a, a central core narrative uh, to most of it. Yeah, we get the Celestial storyline and the, the BC Avengers and stuff. But that was, I don't know, it felt more like a MacGuffin or a, a subplot versus the central theme here. and. Yeah, we get Logan back, but it, it again, it happened in the story that it doesn't tie into anything about the Celestial, about uh, about any of the other stuff we saw. You know, the only reason the Jean Grey thing was we had to go see the, the, the remains of the adamantium shell he was in, so somebody had to be there. Um, it just, I, I don't know how this is going to sell. It may sell brilliantly, it may not, but I don't expect it to be as well-received or as well thought of as uh, as Rebirth. I think the other mistake they made was this was a, a five ninety nine comic versus Rebirth initially was what two ninety nine even though it was uh, eighty pages. Yep. 
Yep. Um, so there's that. I think price-wise, uh, Marvel could have and should have done better. And when I got to the uh, the text page or whatever, and we got the, the bit from Axel Alonso, uh, editor-in-chief of Marvel, um, and he's talking about, you know, ever wonder what would happen when or if, and he, he's got a dozen things. And I was I was kind of going through those, and I'm like, no, never really asked myself any of those questions. One or two, eh, maybe kind of interesting. Most of them, um, maybe not. Yeah, they they were not things that were top of mind for me either. Um, and I, and I thought there was just a strange bunch of th- uh, story beats that um uh, that I don't know who was who was asking, <laughs> who has been asking about this. Well, and some of them were, you know, what if so and so went back to thus and so? It's like well, I don't know. Let's move forward instead. Um, I it just it it left me wanting and not in a great way. I did appreciate the uh, the two-page spread at the end where it's, uh, hey, this storyline continues here, this one here, this one here, this one here. But again, it's also blatant plug for, you know, go buy all these other things. Um, which, again, not surprising. Um, the plug for X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold, which had nothing it seemed like to do with anything in this issue, seemed a little out of place, but okay. You know, why not pitch the, uh, the Spirits of Vengeance storyline? Because, I don't know, maybe Ghost Rider will show up there or something. Um, I just I was I was frustrated by this. It had some some good moments. It had a few things that were fun, but it was not the reignition of my excitement of the Marvel universe or whatever that the DC universe really was for DC for me. Yeah, I think Rebirth did a much better job of energizing us and getting us excited for the for the the titles to come. Uh, they're going to bring Foom back as well, uh, a fans a Marvel fanzine. So that's exciting to some people um i don't remember foom so i must not have ever read it i don't remember foom i've never read it i have the current uh, issue it came with Mm -hmm. a shipment but it's it's old school marvel we also are getting um uh the return of the marvel value stamps uh i am not one to do things like this uh so i won't be peeling stickers out of my comics and putting them uh trying to collect them all but uh I, I'm sure some people will enjoy that. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not a, a Marvel value stamp person. Before my time. Yeah. I mean, they're aiming stuff for people that are from like the early to the mid-70s. So when they're, they're going nostalgia here, they're going way back. Maybe a little too far. Maybe they overshot their mark. Um, we then get 12 um, cover issues, uh, cover shots, uh, and then... That was the two-page spread I was talking about. Yeah, yeah the two-page spread. And um, so par- bits and pieces of this story will be continued in those 12. But then we're, we finish up with a large checklist um, that is much more than those 12. And it 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 looks like a checklist of things you should read to continue Marvel Legacy. But I don't think that's the case. I think this is just everything that's being uh, – is, is a legacy title. As if those are not- two separate things? Whether or not they tie into this or not, it feels. It, I like, think by definition they're claiming everything does tie into this. Then why don't why didn't we get uh, this blank storyline will continue in Royals number nine or Moon Knight one eighty eight? Because they got like fifty or something of these things. They only had so much space. Well, no, they, they. I mean, they had plenty. I, of space. I'm going to argue that they did do that because if you go into the inside uh, front cover. We've got stuff for Monsters Unleashed, Incredible Hulk, America, Captain Marvel, uh, yeah, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Thor, Invincible Iron Man, Falcon, Royals, and Gwenpool. There was uh, near the middle 
ads for Avengers, U.S. Avengers, Uncanny Avengers. Um, I thought somewhere in here there was another page of ads for, uh, see, Cable, Despicable Deadpool, All New Wolverine, Jean Grey, and Iceman. I mean, they've, they've got a ton of house ads snuck in here throughout the place. Okay. So whether they've got all of them or not, I don't recall. Uh, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, uh, The Defenders. So again, they're kind of grouping titles in logical mm-hmm. places. Uh, X-Men Blue, X-Men Gold at one point. Um, so, uh, again, I'm not seeing like all of them in a quick flip through, but enough that, uh, again, Spirits of Vengeance, maybe Gwenpool, uh, stuff like that. Maybe they didn't hit all of them, but I mean, they're, but that they're... final checklist in your mind is all connected to the overarching legacy storyline and not just that's not exactly re- what i said repackaging it's not the... in my mind i think it is in their mind okay <laughs> want to be very clear on that distinction yes i don't think amazing spider-man renew your vows is really necessarily tied in um maybe it is i don't know but i think they're trying to use this as a, everything we publish is gold you should go read it and some of what they're doing is is really some good stuff some of it, eh, it's okay. This, you know, particularly you look at the cover, half these characters don't even show up in this issue. You know, if you were expecting uh, Daredevil or Storm or, or the, the Odin Sun Thor or uh, whatnot to, to, to really show up here and do something, you're going to be sadly mistaken. So there's okay. a bit of bait and switch here. Okay, well, if you are a, a lapsed comic reader, Marvel fan, and... Are there such you, things? He said facetiously. And you and you read the the New York Times article about Legacy and decided to check this book out. Does it check enough boxes to get you excited in the same way DC Rebirth did, where I, I sampled everything, every single Rebirth title I read because it was um it was an exciting, well executed launch. I don't think so. I don't think that works the same way. I, I'm curious to to how well these new launches will do. In the lapsed reader category, I, I I wonder if it'll energize that base the way Rebirth did, the way New Fifty Two did. I, I I'm curious uh, about its successful if it's successful in that in that area. Um, I I think that's a great question. I'm curious about that too. But my question to you is, how lapsed of a reader do you think they're targeting? I'm thinking really lapsed <laughs> for forty years. Again, they're aiming stuff. Pulling back stuff from the 70s in terms of Foom and the Marvel stickers and stuff like that. And if they were doing it as a, we're going back to, to Stan's bullpen mentality or some such, but they never really seemed evocative of that in the text page. No. So I'm, I'm getting mixed signals here. And I think they're, they're overshooting on the nostalgia thing. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious how it works for people. Uh, certainly want to know what the listeners think on this. Because I'm not a lapsed reader. I'm all in on Marvel anyways. This doesn't really phase me in any way, but it also didn't really excite me in any way. And I think that was a missed opportunity. But I don't think it would discourage anyone. I don't think it was, this is a bad comic. I mean, it may not, it may not be the level of DC Rebirth, but, but there, it, it was really, there was some great art in there. Uh, there was some really nice, uh, pieces that happened. It wasn't a, a perfectly woven story, but um, uh, I think it's pr- I think it's a pretty good comic. Maybe not for six bucks, but I, I am curious if a lapsed reader who's been out of comics for any great length of time comes back 
sees the $6.99 price point, but says, you know what, I'm loving the Marvel movies and stuff, I'll give this a shot, goes through it and says, wow, that was a really tight, well-written story, I really got my, my $6 worth, uh, because it's it's so cohesive and I'm really excited about the Marvel Universe, versus, wow, they had the threads of a story and they were pitching me everything they've got, as if I should go from being a lapsed reader to all in. I just It does look like that at the end, yeah. Yeah. I, I now don't. You, now you have to read it all. I don't know if that's going to work. Now, if it gets some people back and excited for Marvel, that's great. Because, again, Marvel is doing some good stuff. But, to me, this was not kind of the home run that uh, I really thought um, DC Universe Rebirth was last year. And I really think Marvel kind of needed that right now. But I also didn't expect it to be that kind of a home run either. It's good. It has its moments. It uh, it's It's got me curious about a couple of things. Um, Certainly the price point is not in its favor, but overall I'm going to go with a, a B- minus here. Um, it's better than some of the other 80-page sales pitches they've given us, but... Um, it's true. It's not the first time we... It's not like the point one or whatever it was. <laughs> it was literally just three or four pages from a couple of books that were coming up. Yeah. Um, so it's better than that, but they really needed this to be solidly in that A range, preferably an A+, and it, it wasn't. So this is just a one-shot? There will be no more legacies? What are you talking about? they got like 50 titles spinning out of this. What more do you want? Well, I mean, I was kind of... Because Jason Aaron was like... He was clearing all... You know, his schedule because he was going to be so busy with legacy. That's legacy the overarching thing versus legacy the title. I have not seen a Marvel Legacy number two solicited. Okay. Must just be his his books and their... Uh, connection to legacy overarching storyline or something. I don't know. Well, don't confuse the legacy branding with an overarching storyline. It is confusing. It is really confusing. I'm super confused. I don't, I, 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 yeah, I thought legacy was a thing was like a story point that went from point A to point Z and ended with an alpha issue more than it was supposed to, but no, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. This is just a, a it wasn't turning, on the checklist. A, a turning point in a, a new banner to hang on titles, um, kind of like Rebirth was. And again, each title going off in its own thing. But Rebirth seems to be building towards something. They're going to build towards something here with the Celestial and the BC Avengers and all that stuff, no doubt. But that seems like it'll be more in, say, the Avenger books or book or whatever than yeah. some other stuff. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B minus two. Um, sorry about that. I forgot my grade. Um, I'd be curious if they do. You know, if they revisit it like with a little button crossover issue that you know brings it back and, and explores the story a little more. Is that the way they're going to go? You know, they're going to revisit it from time to time, or is it going to be interwoven through at least these twelve titles that are pictured at the end? <sighs> okay, I, yeah, I don't. I guess I didn't. Uh, I didn't get the 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 whole point of legacy. Then that's I didn't, That's a shame. Yeah. That's that's yeah. not a good thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's so it's just a. I mean, I knew the yeah, yeah I, I knew the the numbering was going to happen, but I, I thought there was also a bigger a bigger story to be told. Do you see anything in here that's indicative of where you would follow the Avengers BC or the Celestial storyline? I do not. I do not see that anywhere. Seems like a odd thing. Yet we got a whole page on Tony Stark being gone, and and we know where that continues. Unsurprisingly, in in the Iron Man title. Um. So I'm. Thinking that uh, they they could have done a better job, not only in this issue, but then how they launch stuff out. Um, 
at least they had those the couple of pages pointing to other things. I wish DC had done that to say, I don't know where we might get the Shazam characters or the JSA or the Legion or you know, some other stuff I still want from DC. But we'll see. Yeah. Don't go on it. <laughs> I hate that I kind of missed the point of Legacy, I guess. I don't think you did. I think they did. I really don't think it was a well-conceived idea, and certainly the execution, while it was an entertaining issue, it should have been very clear, wow, I can't wait to see what happens on these seven or eight plot points, and here are the various books that are going to really move forward on this. This is exciting, this is new, this is this is different, or something. Versus it's, yeah, these are the next stories that they'd already kind of kicked off in, like, the previous issue of Iron Man or a few other places. Um, it was It was not bad storytelling, it was bad marketing, in my mind. And again, if you disagree, hop on the forum, the Slack channel, let us know. Um curious what it, everyone thinks. It, and Incredible, the Incredible Hulk 709, is that the Totally Awesome Hulk? Or do they revive Banner? That replaces Banner? the Totally Awesome Hulk. So is that Banner? Hulk? No. Uh, it, well, it's it's Amadeus Cho. It's Amadeus Cho still. Okay. All right. That's and again, that storyline kind of kicked off in the latest issue I read of, of Totally Awesome Hulk. So it's not like it started here either. That puts to lie the everything starts here aspect of the solicit yeah a lot of these you know um we've already been following in the in the storylines if we've been reading the books and there doesn't seem to be anything launching out of this title and that's unfortunate yeah shall we move on to our other book <laughs> yeah on that downer let's go <laughs> this is ducktales number one from idw um i've never watched i think a full episode of of either the original ducktales or the new series my exposure to these characters is predominantly through uh, Uncle Scrooge, uh, the comic book series and such, uh, which I'm still reading, still enjoying. Got on that when it came back through, I don't know, whichever publisher picked it up. But I guess it was Boom at one point, and then it moved over to IDW. So for me, the main question coming into this with this title is, do I need to read this in addition to or maybe in place of Uncle Scrooge or or not? And there are a couple of things that really stood out to me. Um, with this issue, uh, the first of which is clearly this art was done for a different uh, aspect ratio with a, a slightly shorter page height or a, a wider page width or, or both or whatever, because there's uh, about an inch or so at the top and bottom that's just white. And that's that's not unusual for this sort of stuff. Um, my understanding is once somebody kind of creates like one of the Ducks stories or whatever, it's part of the, the Disney archives and library and any other licensee or whatever, if they wanted to, could use it. I think, I don't know. So different page formats around the world would account for, for this sort of a thing. Um, we got two different stories in here, um, taking up roughly half the issue each. Uh, the first kind of sort of feels like a, a classic sort of a, a Ducks adventure with Donald and Huey, Dewey, and Louie. It just felt a little abbreviated, and the art style felt a little more cartoon animated, where the characters seemed to be almost like on a different level than the, the background or whatever. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but just there's a, a feel to the art here that is a bit different. And I just, I don't know, I never totally warmed up to this uh, first story, or really even the, the second, although I like that one I think a bit better. But I think part of that was in both cases, there was no Uncle Scrooge, and I really enjoy that character. Um, so when we got done with the first one, it's like, okay, that was, that was fine. It was good. It was entertaining. And we get to the second one where they've got this, you know, lab of, of scientists and whatnot. And the Huey, Dewey, and Louie are kind of, 
you know, going around looking at stuff. There was one or two places where it felt to be operating on all, very much kind of cartoon physics, and not in a way that's that's blatantly non like the the Uncle Scrooge sort of comics I've read. But it it felt a little bit more almost uh, Looney Tunes um, Daffy Duck than Donald Duck, I guess would be the way to put it. Particularly when there's a, a magnetized thing in the soda can that Donald's holding on to, you know, launches him into the air or whatever, and he's flying around corners and stuff like that. That that felt like it should have been, in my mind, Daffy Duck, not, not Donald. It was still a fun, good story, but it uh, it wasn't what I was looking for out of this. But again, I'm coming at it more from an Uncle Scrooge perspective than a DuckTales perspective. So I think uh, somebody who's got different uh, baggage and expectation coming in is going to have a very different feel on this than I did. Yeah, I um, watched some DuckTales with my little brother. Uh, he was a big fan, so I would catch some while he was in control of the remote. And uh, uh, so the, one of the fun things about it, the redeeming qualities of that show was um, – it was a real. It was a, there was a real sense of fun, and um, it, it was it, it, they were really interesting to me as a, a young adult at the time, and entertained him as well. Uh, and he was much much younger, and that's kind of missing that entertaining to an adult edge in this comic. It um, I didn't like it at all. I was bored out of my mind, um, and I, I, it's it's much younger book i mean i guess you could probably expect that from ducktales but we have reviewed things like uncle scrooge and other um characters like that their books were worked a little a little better for me um this this was a real swing and a miss for me um i did i didn't care for the uh the storytelling visually or the the writing itself and uh it just um was right way below my 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 reading interest and i think that would probably be the case for a lot of folks it's it it's a i don't think it's really all ages i think it's just a younger skewing comic and i, I would agree um, with that and and you know that's okay that's okay it doesn't have to be for me um and i probably should have you know known that uh, looking at, at what it was some some can effectively tell us tell stories for both audience segments of the audience and some can't and um and that that's fine it just uh really really didn't work uh for me as an old old dude for me these things were, were okay i mean it was close to the silent format i expected out of again an uncle scrooge thing but a little more cartoony to your point it seemed to skew towards a younger age um, which again, this is based on the DuckTales cartoon, so I'm not surprised by either of those things. Uh, personally, and I had read like four issues of Uncle Scrooge right before reading this, just to get caught up on that so I'd have a good comparison point. Um, I prefer the classic Uncle Scrooge stuff that we're getting in that title over this. This isn't bad, but it's not something that I feel I need to be reading. And certainly I don't need to be reading in addition to what I feel is a superior title for me. Um, and, Part of it is Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Those three are pretty much interchangeable in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are differences between them, but I've never really dealt enough with them to to know or care. Um, and I was I, I like I like Uncle Scrooge as the lead, and them as the supporting cast versus them as the leads. So for me, I may have another one or two of these on pre-order. I'll get it. I'll give them another shot or two. But without Uncle Scrooge, who was nowhere to be found in this. 
which surprises me because again, when you get somebody like David Tennant to to do the voice in the cartoon and stuff, you'd think you'd toss that character in in the first issue of the comic. It's based on it, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't expect to continue with this title. I do think if you've got uh, kids or whatever or younger readers that are are fans of the show, I don't think they'll be put off by this. But I would recommend the um, the Uncle Scrooge series over this, but just a wide. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I'd be curious. For for me, this is a C minus, um, and it's not something that I'll, I'll read again. But I would be curious if you know parents of uh, eight to twelve year olds, um, maybe if they if they get some enjoyment out of it, if it works for a young, a young audience, like I think it's written for, it may, it may not work for them either. True. Um, true. Uh, but it definitely doesn't work for me. Well, and also people who are more familiar with the, uh, the DuckTales show, uh, the recent one and stuff, how well does it kind of sync up with that or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not part of that audience, so I didn't fully expect to be part of this, but I was curious about it. Uh, I'm going to go with a C plus on this. Uh, it has its moments. It's not bad. But again, I think the target audience they're going after, and I'm just not part of that. Um, and again, nothing right or wrong about that. I hope it finds its audience. I hope it does well. And uh, I'm going to keep reading uh, Uncle Scrooge. Well, that will do it. 